Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 to 25, talks about a genealogy. I don't know about you, but when I read genealogies, I kind of skip them. Anyone here skip the genealogies? Just give me the good stuff like the Psalms and the promises of God, right? Genealogies and Leviticus. Anyone love reading Leviticus? If you are, you are on your own, right? right? But the reality is all of God's Word is breathed, alive, active. We can learn everything out of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So this is the genealogy of the different generations that come out of Adam. In that genealogy, there's a wonderful idea here that I want to preach about today that I think is really going to stir your faith. It says this, Genesis 5, verse 1 to 25. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. He named them mankind when they were created. Now, Adam had lived 130 years. He had a son in his own likeness and in his own image, and he named him Seth. And after Seth was born, Adam lived another 800 years. Come on, if you think that you're old in this house today, you are nowhere near Adam's age. And other sons and daughters, altogether, Adam lived a total of what? That was very passionate. <laughs> 930 years and then he died. Now when Seth lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth, Seth lived a total of? 912 years and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years. He had other sons and daughters altogether. Enosh lived a total of 905 years and then he died. And when Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. Mahalalel. <laughs> Maha. Ma? Ma? And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Mahalalel decided to give his son a simple name, Kenan. Sorry, not Kenan, Jared. All the other Kenan lived a total of 910 years, then he died. When Mahalalel lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. Jared. Can't do nothing with Jared, eh? <laughs> After he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived a total of 895 years and then he died. When Jared lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years and then he died. Now, when Enoch lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years, had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more. How cool is that? Because God took him away. I want you to notice, do you know what, what is interesting? We just spent a minute... Reading 
uh, chronological order of human life, representing a lifespan of three to 4,000 years, our life is so quick, isn't it? The breath of our life is so quick. There's a pattern here, church. There's a pattern. They lived, they had kids, they lived a bit more, and then they died. They lived, they had kids, they lived a bit more, and then they died. It's kind of a pattern, a picture of humanity. You live, you uh, uh, go for certain things, you know, whether it's having kids, whether it's achieving a goal or whatever, you live a bit more and then you die. There's a pattern here. There's a, a description here of the way humanity actually lived. It's the same pattern communicated over and over and over again until you get to Enoch. And the Bible says that Enoch lived 65 years. He became the father of Methuselah. And after he did that, he walked faithfully for three hundred years with God. You see, Enoch lived. He had kids. He lived a bit more, but he had that extra bit. He walked with God. Church, everyone else lived, but Enoch walked with God. So you can make a decision in life just to live the basics of life, just to achieve the normal things that everyone else would achieve, or you can make a decision in your own walk with God that you want to be a God walker. You want to be a person that actually walks with God. I think one of the greatest pinnacles in life is not to achieve all the things that you have a desire in your heart to achieve or to get to the end of your life and say, you know what, I'm blessed. But to actually know that throughout the trials, throughout the challenges, throughout the difficulties, you actually walked with God. You knew him, you knew him intimately and, per, and purposefully. Enoch had a high core, a high reality. That's really the idea here. Enoch walked with God and he was different. So he was unique, not because he looked different, not because he was like Samson who could do great things. Notice that the Bible doesn't talk anything about Enoch's exploits. The only thing that makes Enoch different to all the other people that lived is that he was someone who walked faithfully with God. We look at the New Testament, we see the disciples are moving in power and we go, well, look at what God is doing through them and they're healing people and they're raising the dead and they're you know, doing amazing things. But, and, but they also walk with Christ, but not Enoch. Enoch was distinguished simply by his walk with God. Listen, not to solve a problem, not to fix an issue, but just because he was committed to the walk. Can I say this to you today? We've got to move past this transactional relationship we have with God. God, I'll serve you if you do this. God, if you do this, then I'll do this. I think often Western Christianity can be so transactional. Our faithfulness in God is dependent on whether our life is going well and where everything is lining up in the right place. But the reality is this, Enoch walked with God because he wanted to have an intimate relationship with God. What about just walking with him regardless of what he does in your life? We often talk about having health to the soul. And this year is about bringing health to your soul. Health to your soul is not just about making sure, you know, that everything is lining up in the right place. The greatest thing that can bring health to your soul is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? The purpose of the walk with Enoch was to walk with God. But the reality is the walk with God does produce different results in your life. We don't know a lot about Enoch, but we do know that his result was different. If you look at Enoch, we see that his result was different to everyone else in that genealogy tract. And I want to talk to you just on a couple of things this morning, the time that we have left, about the walk with God of what it actually does. The Bible says of Enoch that he lived 365 years. 
It's the idea of the perfect lifespan. 365 days complete a year. And there's an idea here of completion. Perfect timing. Listen, in other words, Enoch arrived at the perfect place in his life at the perfect time. You know, often when we think of timing, we think of sections rather than timing in our whole life. I want you to begin to think this idea of timing in terms of a symphony of work that God is doing behind the, thing, behind the scenes, that God is consistently working on areas. God is consistently bringing things into alignment. God is consistently looking at a number of things that we need to work on. You and I, we only have the capacity to focus on one or two things. But when you walk with God, He has the unlimited capacity to work on a number of things in perfect harmony all at the same time. I was reading this, this other day, kind of to drive this point home about this composer, right? This uh, conductor and uh, famous conductor in Europe. And he decided to do a call out to all the people that follow him on social media. And uh, he wanted to do a choir that was an online choir. And uh, it was kind of the largest choir. He was going for the largest choir ever in the history of choirs. And so he put this call out. He said, I've written this piece of music and he said, I, I would like to, you know, all the, uh, you know, if you, you know, want to be a part of this, then this is the musical score. I want you to sing this certain part. And so he, you know, sent out the call to all the different sections of the musical team. So baritone, alto, tenor, soprano. Well, that's not the movie, by the way. <laughs> right, so he, he sent this out. He goes, if you're in this vocal range... If you're in this vocal range, if you're in this vocal range, right? So he sent this all out just to his subscribers, right? He said, if you're interested in being part of this, send me back an email. 6,000 people responded, right? And so what they did was he gave them the musical score. He, he gave them, they highlighted what, you know, vocal range they could sing. And so they, uh, they began to sing. They didn't have great microphones, didn't really have great voices. Yeah, they were just ordinary folk like you and I. It wasn't like 6,000 opera singers, you know, 6,000 Beyonce's, you know, just 6,000 people like you and I who are going to have a crack. You know, who would love to one day just have a crack at singing? No one, okay. <laughs> anyway, shower singers, right? So 6,000 of these people. They recorded their, their, their voice on a little terrible, you know, microphone and they sent it back to him and he put it all together. just wanted to show you this. It's actually quite, quite awesome. <laughs> that? So this is just a normal guy putting these things together. There's a symphony of work. What's the point? God takes the ordinariness of you and I and begins to work together timings and putting things together to produce something amazing out of our lives. You know, I, was reading, I love looking, reading about watches, watches that I can't afford, you know. 
you know. Dreaming costs nothing. So I just love looking at watches and just the intricate detail of watches and the way they put together. There's this particular watch, you know, that's worth $250,000, right? But the watch itself, you know, is made up of 607 moving parts all together, linked together with mechanical precision and, you know, and just the way that they have engineered this particular watch and all the little detail. You know, it's not like a watch like, like this, like massive. This is a little watch with 607 moving parts all working together to produce perfect timing. Church, we often think of timing in God as in season starting and stopping. God is always doing something behind the scenes. God is always working things out. God is always putting things together and letting things go and embracing things and moving things on. You know, that's why unity in the kingdom of God, church, is so important. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. I believe one of the reasons why our church is growing and being fruitful at the moment and, you know, just seeing our campuses go to double services and filling the auditoriums is just because there's such a wonderful sense of unity. We are all on the same page. We're all on the same pathway. You know, praise God that we have different campuses that have got different emphasis, you know, because that's the way that God is actually wanting to build His kingdom. And here we have with Enoch, there was no end. That's the whole point of Enoch's life. It was just a walk that never ended. Timings are more like everything working together in harmony. A healthy soul is a soul that is not anxious about the timings of life. Timings in God, timings in business, timings in opportunity, timings in seasons. The walk of God, not the event. Many times we wait for the events in God. God, please break through here. God, please deliver me from this issue. God, please help me on this scenario. But you know what? When you just make a decision as a child of God, oh God, I'm just going to walk with you faithfully. You'll take care of the timings. You'll take care of the concerns. You'll take care of the worries. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all of these other things that we often get stressed about will be added unto us. God working behind the scenes, putting all these things together so that you and I can live a blessed life, right? Talk about timings. Look at the New Testament. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 speaks about Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? It says in the, in the time of King Herod, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous, observing all the Lord's commands, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Think about this. How can you be faithful and yet be barren at the same time? Surely being faithful to the things of God produces a level of productivity in your life. But very simply, it wasn't her time yet. She wanted a child, but God was going to raise a world changer. She just wanted a baby, but God said, well, I've got higher plans for you. I've got a higher purpose for you. You know what? Elizabeth could have said, you know what? blow this God thing, I'm walking out the door, I'm not getting what God wants me to go, I'm just sick and tired of this. But you know what? She just focused on her walk and allowed God to take care of the timings. And we see here that when John the Baptist came, he came at the right time. You look at Jesus, he's on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, who's on death's door. Right, there's an urgency here, you gotta do this, Jesus. And all of a sudden he gets interrupted, this woman comes out of the blue, mucks up the whole time frame. People come to Jesus and he goes, you're too late. Your daughter's dead. 
Why bother the teacher anymore? Why bother? It's too late. Why bother? It's too hard. Didn't fit into my time frame. What does Jesus do? He doesn't care about people's time frames. He just keeps walking. He's not stressed. You know what? Jesus was a busy man. We don't have slack Jesus or lazy Jesus. We don't have Jesus sitting on a hill. We say we say have a Jesus that's actually actively involved in helping people's lives. Someone once made the point, Jesus never ran from appointment to appointment. He just walked. How cool is that? He was confident in the timings of his father. The book of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power on high that God is wanting to give them. The disciples, the 120 in the room, the very thing that Jesus promised happens, happens on the day of Pentecost. Now, us as Pentecostals, right, we go, wow, you know, Pentecost talks about, you know, the Pentecostal experience. But in reality is Pentecost wasn't named because of the Pentecostal experience. Pentecost was actually a festival that was seen in the Old Testament. It was originally called the Festival of Firstfruits, of the grain harvest. Throughout the ages, it ended up being the anniversary of the giving of the law of Mount Sinai, which is very powerful. So on Mount Sinai, God gave the law. But now in the New Testament, on the very same day, God gives the Spirit. The law binds, but the Spirit gives life. We're going to do a whole series on our Pentecostal heritage and our Pentecostal roots. It's important for us to know what God is doing in our church, right? But think about this. So this is one of the three major pilgrim festivals in Judaism. So what does it do? He pours out the baptism of the Holy Spirit on one of those significant pilgrim festivals. In other words, everyone was there from all different languages, from all different parts of the world. They all came together to Jerusalem and bang, he pours out the power of the Holy Spirit. Perfect timing for God to do something. So why is timing so important? Why are you preaching about this? Very simply is this. We don't know what the future holds, but God does. You and I don't know what the future holds, but God does. The Bible often relates our walk with God to the future, right? The Bible says a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. The Bible talks about your word lights my path. It gives me direction and foresight. I love this one in Proverbs 20, verse 24. It says a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? It's a trap to dedicate something rashly, only later to consider one's vows. In other words, if you follow God in your walk, you won't have buyer's regret. That's really what he's saying. He goes, you don't know, you don't have the perception to know what is happening in the future. You don't have the foresight to know what is around the corner. You don't, but God does. We have limited information, but God has unlimited information. Years ago in ministry, um, when we were sensing a seasonal change in our own life, remember years ago, uh, in that seasonal change, we're praying and fasting, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And uh, I got offered a significant role in a, in a very significant church. I was approached with all the bells and whistles, right? It was a good role. It seemed on the surface it was the right thing. It looked like that everything was heading in the right direction. To be honest, it was the perfect role. Right? I looked at it and went, man, you know what? He's got this, he's got that. It's, we can stay where we are and we can do this and we can do that. And I started thinking lifestyle and how everything's just going to land in the right place for us. I mean, it just looked like the absolute perfect thing. 
I stopped praying for other opportunities because I thought this was the right thing to do, right? I started to move away from other conversations and other potential opportunities that had not materialized yet, but I started to shift my focus. This particular thing that was presented to me, it started to become the thing of my goals and my perspective. I was ready to dedicate my heart to this thing. But at the same time in my walk with God, I'm saying, God, you've got to help me. On the surface, it looks amazing. On the surface, it looks like the right thing to do. But Holy Spirit, you've got to help me. God, is this your will? In my walk with you, you know the future, I don't, right? You know, often we sign ourselves on the dotted line because you never sign yourself on something that looks bad. It always looks good at the beginning. Always looks good at the beginning. This thing looked amazing. I thought, you know what, I'm going to commit to this. I said, but God, you've got to speak to me. Holy Spirit, will you guide me? Holy Spirit, will you direct me? I went to bed that night, I had a dream. It was crazy. I dreamt that there was a black snake in my bed. I freaked out, jumped out of bed. I remember saying to Franka, there's a snake in my bed. She goes, what are you, Woody? There's a snake in my boots. <laughs> it was a weak joke. She goes, what are you talking about? I had this dream, right? Freaked me out. The rest of that night, I just started praying, saying, God, what are you saying? And God spoke to me very clearly. He said, this, this opportunity is deceptive. It looks like something, but it's actually something else. Stay away from it. Walk away from it. It was around that time that after that, not a few months after that, I met Pastor Alan. Lo and behold, we are here today. The reality is, thank God that I responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit because he knew what I did not know. And what looked good on the surface would have been there to destructively hurt my soul. And I've got to say this today, praise God that God directed my steps. So your Church, I'm telling you, we often don't really understand the full power of this. God can save you from a lot of heartache and pain just in your walk with Him. Just in you, just developing a deep walk with the Lord where God speaks to you and challenges you and guides you and directs you. The second one is this, very quickly. Is that I want you to notice that Enoch was taken early. He didn't live long, right? It's interesting that we get this idea of life back then that it was hard. It was cursed. Early days were hard on the earth, finding ways to cultivate crops. His life was shorter than anyone else. I want you to notice that, right? Everyone else lived, you know, you know he, he only he lived a third or a half of what everyone else did, right? And yet he walked with God. I began to think about that. I just wonder whether long life back then wasn't the blessing as what we think it was today. The Bible says that, you know, days back then were very hard. Genesis 5 verse 28, right? When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son, which is Noah, right? And he said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands. Cursed by the ground that the Lord has cursed, right? In other words, the soil was hard to crack. Now you say, well, you know, we're living in those days today. But if you look after the flood, we see that God gives a twofold promise, not just the rainbow on the sky, but a twofold promise. Genesis 8 verse 21, right? Noah sacrifices to the Lord. The Bible says, and the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground, right? Because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent towards evil from childhood, I will never again destroy living things. The point is this, right? So we look at the, first, the second part and we go, you know, he'll never cause a flood on the earth. But he does make a distinction. I'll never curse the ground like I did before the flood. So there's this idea here in the Old Testament 
that life was a lot harder than probably what it is today. And I began to think about that, right? Maybe they lived longer because things took a lot longer to get going. The human race needed a longer life in order to see things grow and flourish. Everything was a first. We talk about reinventing the wheel. They had to invent the wheel, right? Think about it. Some of the most amazing discoveries that we have today is because people have tried and failed a thousand times over. So we like lights. Well, the guy invented lights. What was it? You know, I tried a thousand times. You know, I know a thousand ways of, you know, that I've learned from what I didn't do before, right? We talk about that quote. I can't remember the quote, but you know what I'm saying. So in other words, people have worked and worked and tried to get it right, tried and get it right over the thousands of years that, you know, that humanity has been around. And now, you know, we are moving at a really, really exponential rate. I read this the other day. I saw this chart in terms of the development of technology. In 1950, the average person travelled eight kilometres a day. In 2000, the average person travels 48 kilometres a day. In 2020, next year, they reckon the average person will travel 96 kilometres a day. It's about right, right? Especially on the Monash. <laughs> Honestly. It's the printing press, right? It took 1,440 years for them to produce the printing press. 398 years after that, Morse code. Then it only took 37 years to hit the telephone. 10 years after that, radio. 44 years, black and white TV. 37 years, who remembers the fax machine? Well, the old people, the young people, what's the fax machine? Right? Then in 1977, the computer. 1979, the analog mobile phone. Two years later, 11 years later, the internet. Three years later, SMS. Seven years later, I remember when SMS had a 60 character limit, was it? Some of you guys that text me blow that character limit completely out of the water. <laughs> okay, is that even possible? <laughs> Seven years later, broadband. Seven years later, mobile iPhone. And three years later, tablets. What's the point? We are moving technology at an exponential rate. Right, things are moving at a speed like no other. You know your digital watch, not the smart watch, but remember, remember the Casio digital watches. I think they're coming back into fashion, right? They say that the, that digital watch, the Casio digital watch, had more power than the 1969 Apollo moon lander. Mm. We are speeding forward at a crazy rate. But back then they were starting off. Life is difficult. I just wonder whether when Enoch walked with God and he moved to the next level in a shorter amount of time, that in reality, he just saved himself a whole lot of long pain. God took him from that environment that Lamech spoke about. Not exactly an incredibly wonderful environment. What's the point? I'll finish with this. We can shorten painful time spans when we walk with God. We can shorten seasons where life is hard when we make a commitment to walk with God. I was talking to a minister about this the other day and he was preaching in another church and he came up to me and he said, you know, he goes, I was praying for someone at the altar and a person came forward, he was a guy in his 80s and he said, you know, as you preached on forgiveness, he goes, I really felt God do, do a healing in my heart and if we can have the musicians come and... Uh, he said, uh, you know, God really resolved a few issues. And he goes, wow, it's so good, it's awesome. He goes, praise God. 
he goes, uh, you know, he said, how long have you dealt with this, this pain, this offence, this unforgiveness, this hurt? He goes, when did it happen? Like five years ago? He said, no, it happened in my 30s. This guy was carrying this pain for 50 years. Church is just not the way that God wants us to live our life. He was carrying this pain and this hurt and this fracturedness in his soul for 50 years and now in his 80s. Finally, God came through and he was able to lay it down. Long seasons of painful toil. Come on, long seasons of difficultness. But when you walk with God, he challenges you. Come on, let that go. Come on, ask for forgiveness. Come on, sort that out. Don't carry that rubbish. You don't need to carry that stuff. Just let it go. He shortens the seasons of painful toil. And I just wonder whether God took Enoch early because he loved him so much and he wanted to be with him at the next level, but he just shortened the time span where life was so hard on the earth. I prophesy that this year is, is a year out of a lot of productivity with little effort. Not a lot of effort with a little productivity. And as you walk with God, He begins to guide you and direct you. He helps you. He tells you when to stop, when to start. He tells you when to move forward, when to back off. He tells you when to go hard. When to, he tells you what decisions you make in your walk with God. Let's never have, let's never have a transactional relationship with God that we only come to Him in emergencies. We only come to Him when there's a crisis. But in the consistency of our walk with God, He can save us through many painful environments. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.